Hi there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. And now, enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan. And on this episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about golems, the original robots of D&D. Are they too powerful or not enough? Do they fit the theme properly? Should you change them in your game? All about golems today. <laughs> robots. Paul, robots on of golems. D&D. <laughs> yeah, right? I didn't hear it put that way. That's great. You know, I was thinking about that, um, about sort of what what aspect golems fit into in D anD. d what what why why is it even important? Why are they even there? Um, and I was trying to think of how I use them. And um, I was thinking about how like like, yeah, there's kind of this classic trope of of exploring dungeons, you like ancient tome uh, ancient tombs, like um you know, old uh, pyramids or burial places or whatnot. Um, you, you get into this problem of like, well, what what kind of monsters can I put in there? Either they're they're new inhabitants, right? Things like goblins or kobolds that have snuck into this place and mm-hmm. live here now, mm-hmm. you know, or they're old remnants and they're things like you know the undead. And golems fit this interesting niche of sort of like, well, they're an intentionally placed guardian, right? A thing that doesn't that 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 sits stagnant until needed. At least that's that's yes. how I've seen them use yeah yes. yeah and i think that's an interesting trap they're, they're like a trap they're a, a, a hybrid monster slash trap <laughs> correct correct i think that like the fifth edition book specifically like highlights their agelessness so they can they can stand in one place for an arbitrary amount of time um i'm gonna gonna apologize a little bit to our youtube viewers i guess we didn't direct to the uh, the advance event properly so hopefully people oh, find us on our live but we're, we are live on YouTube currently, so hopefully people find that uh, wandering DM slash live, uh, Earl, we'll, we'll get you there currently. Yeah. So spread yeah, the word. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they can't hear you saying that, Dan. So, uh, mm. <laughs> 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 all right, everyone. <laughs> so. Uh, there's let's talk about let's talk about the the historical folklore for golems a little bit obviously they, didn't, they weren't entirely invented just for D. Um, I found kind of you know originally they do come from uh, Jewish folklore and I saw this great quote that someone wrote in moment magazine um, again talking about the folklore of golems originally it said and they said the golem is a highly mutable metaphor with seemingly limitless symbolism it can be a victim or a villain a Jew or a non-Jew, a man or a woman or both. Over the centuries, it has been used to connote war, community, isolation, hope, and despair. If you think, think all the things that you could use with golems in your D and D game, that's a that's, that's a very meaty meaty that's, vein to to, uh, to to dig into. Fascinating. That's a lot. Yeah, it seems a lot. Like it lot is a lot. Robots in D and D. It kind of is. So I actually really like, right? And so you know, over the years or centuries, there's a whole lot of different iterations of the golem story. Um, but in, it, to my my limited understanding of Jewish Jewish folklore, 
Um, uh, there are a number of stories of rabbis with particular, particularly powerful supernatural connection that allows them to halfway create a living being that's very powerful, that's in their service. And possibly the best, the best known one is the story about a 16th century rabbi in Prague, which is now the capital of the Czech Republic, um, who created a golem to defend the Jewish community there from uh, a, a tyrannical Roman emperor of the time. And the golem is, is of course, powerful. It's, it's totally mindless. It's formed from crude clay, protects the community for a while, and then at some point goes berserk and the rabbi loses control and the golem goes on a murderous rampage and needs to be deactivated. And at least in one version of the story, I love this little detail. I love the little detail that to activate the golem, so form it out of clay and to activate the golem, you've got to inscribe on the head uh, the word emet, which is the Jewish word for truth, which is actually three letters in Hebrew mm -hmm. to my understanding, truth. And then to deactivate it, if you can or if you can get on it and erase the first letter, then the word becomes met, which is the word for death. And then the golem is no longer active. Right. I love that. I, so so the, I have right. I have a couple of uh, miniatures, um, you know, for my D&D games and specifically my my clay golem. I attempted I guess I'm not going to get that well on camera. But if you look really, I attempted to get the Hebrew lettering right on the head. Sort of, it's mm -hmm. very blurry there, but yeah, yeah. So I tried to get the Hebrew, the, the right three characters there on the head is a little detail. And if you if you if you see a clay golem pop up in my D and D game, that'll be on the table. Kind of put up this uh, image here. That's uh, looks like we can see the 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 letters. Yeah, exactly, go. exactly. Um, and and for what it's worth, worth uh, Hebrew is written right to left, so the first letter is actually the aleph on the far right. As a matter of fact, um, so you see that this this is like a really early version of these themes of a mindless, you know, dangerously literal servant, and so that echoes through the years in stories like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, or uh, mm -hmm. you know, robots or artificial intelligence, um, very similar to De Camp's uh, Fallible Fiend, right? Uh, yep. Very similar, like overly literal, doing exactly what you say, and as a result, being very dangerous. Um, that feeds into D and D about you know summon servants or the wish spell or things like that. Interestingly, little, little detail that I just caught on to last night. Um, we're, we the the word robots only been around for about a hundred years. We're we're just a couple months past the hundredth uh, anniversary of Carol Chapek creating the word robot in his play R.U.R., uh, which was published in 1921. And interestingly, Chapek wrote that book in Prague, which is where the story about the golem is from. So when I when I said at the top that golems are the robots of D&D, there's actually a very clear real world connection um, between the, the, the Prague golem story and Chapek creating the story about robots for the first time in the same city hmm. just 100 years ago. So um, yeah. in, in original D&D, Dan, are there multiple types of golem or is it just the clay variant? Great question. And it's exactly the opposite of what you expect. So the D&D yeah. clay golem is the best um, 
representation of the folklore gome, and that's the one that wasn't there to begin with. So um, if you pull up, I think like the first piece of text that I've got for an image there. So in the Little Brown books, it came from the very first box in 1974 in the monster book, you get the monster list. And then at the end, there's a couple snippets of like other things you could add to your game. And this is all you get about golems is there's a section that says robots, golems, androids, is what we're looking at right now. And it says self-explanatory monsters, which are totally subjective as far as their characteristics are concerned. That's all you get. So just robots, golems, and androids are clearly all the same thing. And they're self-explanatory, Paul. What more do you really need? Nothing, obviously. Uh, why, I was foolish to even look it up. Should just just put them in the game. It's fine. <laughs> now, interesting. There's this other paragraph there about living statues, which starts talking about various stone and metal monsters which come to life if trespass into a certain area is made. And then there's a detail about one of these monsters, and maybe we'll come back to that later. Is what I'm thinking. Okay. So in the in the so, in, so in, in the original publication, we didn't have any details. Hmm. First supplement, go forward about six months or to the next image. Yeah. Um, and uh, Gary Gygax published his Greyhawk supplement, things that you've seen in, in his Greyhawk campaign in 1975. And here you actually get details for the first time. And you can see on this table here, there's three types as originally published. There's the flesh golem, the stone golem, and the iron golem. <laughs> there is no clay golem like the original mm -hmm. folklore story. Um, that first appeared in uh, strategic review number five, I think, number four in winter 1975. They added the clay golem as the fourth. Initially, it wasn't there. So, you know, in general strokes, the flesh golem is kind of like the Frankenstein monster. So it's stitched together of, uh, you know, f old flesh powered by lightning specifically um, and is the weakest of the bunch. Uh, the stone golem is similar to my mind of like uh, something out of a Harryhausen movie. And then the iron golem, which is the most powerful type, is a pretty clear nod to um, Talon, the Greek myth of a giant construct made by Hephaestus, which appears in the Argonaut story. Um, and, and the clay golem, which is really most like folklore, didn't come until, until another year after that. So I'm looking. I'm looking at uh, my BX books here to try and remember because I think my my brain is telling me it's going to be different mm -hmm. and weird in, in BX. And sure enough, um, BX. I'm seeing that there is oh, well, of course, obviously wood, bone, amber, and bronze. Those are our choices. Right. Right. Yeah, and that doesn't Which, appear. I mean, at least at the time, wait, uh, you know, in the the AD&D line versus the basic line, basic doesn't have flesh, stone, iron. Um, and AD&D doesn't have the these weaker types that uh, Moldvay and Cook made up for inclusion. So would why so, why, so, why on earth did they need to make up a whole separate set of golems for basic? That these are too weird. powerful, right? The original D&D yeah, golems they, they, are way yeah. way too powerful um, for either the basic or the expert game. And and to kind of reveal something I was going to say at the end. Really, I mean, of ex the, expert the is getting you up to fourteenth level, right? Not enough. Not enough, sir. Really? Okay. All right. All yeah. right. Not nearly enough. Not even remotely enough, um, <laughs> as a matter of fact. So, th so these golems, uh, it, 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 I think if they're interpreted the way they're literally written on the page here in the original D&D supplement, they are. So when, when I run my statistical analyses of these, like the iron golem literally breaks my whole system. 
the iron golem is a sufficiently big outlier that I had to do a whole lot of extra coding just to handle it alone. And um, the the stone and the iron golem uh, in my calculating are the uh, two of the top three most dangerous monsters in the game. Wow. All right, then. Yep. Who worse saw than that coming? Lich, worse I thought than it was a Titan. I, yep. Worse, worse than a dragon? I mean, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. Not worse Dungeons than any dragon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, now it's, yeah, now it's, uh, it's uh, Jailers and Golems. <laughs> jailers and Golems. <laughs> Someone help me out with the acronym, <laughs> right? <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Spelled the old way, I assume, in jailer. <laughs> let me pull oh, up a uh, let me let me pull up a, a little a, a thought from uh, from our viewer Ash here. Uh so Ash is reminding us that Basic also had living statues, which is basically uh, stone mm -hmm. golem light, and I agree with that, yeah. Right, that's true. Yep, yep. Which are interestingly called out in that little block of text we saw in O D and D. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Now, as long as we have this <coughs> this rules text on the page, let's talk about the um, the basic uh, ability, the, the fundamental abilities that golems normally have. So you can see that of mm -hmm. the original three types, right? They have increasing requirements for magic weapons to hit them. So flesh, you need a plus mm -hmm. one magic weapon. Stone, you need plus two. Iron, you need plus three. And in original D and D, the weapons only went up to plus three. That was the highest, that was the most right. magical weapon you could possibly get in the original books. Um, they all have some kind of um, interest, you know, they have fixed hit points, right? Pretty much every mm -hmm. other monster in the game has hit dice that you theoretically roll. These have, you know, like rope, you know, for some reason it feels like a robot, like they're manufactured. There's a specific yeah. template yeah. that they're all stamped well, on. So they have except, fixed hit points. Except, except dragons, right? I think we had that discussion before about uh, dragon hit points and true. <laughs> Better roll yeah, for their age. Once you once anyway. you get their age, you're totally right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and and then they have some kind of special ability. Usually, like uh, the stone golem can cast a slow spell. Um, the clay golem can haste itself. Once you get that on the table, the iron <laughs> golem breathes uh, uh, instant death poison gas. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Um. <laughs> But the main thing, the main thing about golems here in the classic game is that they are immune to magic. Just stone cold, no magic affects them whatsoever. Not an advantage to a, not a good saving throw, not, a, not an advantage, not magic resistance. Um, it just says either spells have no effect, spells have no effect, or um, uh, no other magic, right? No magic can possibly affect these things with maybe one with one single exception each that doesn't even do any damage, but usually slows it. So depending on type, mm -hmm. you can hit it with a fire or a cold spell or lightning, and then it slows it for a couple rounds. And that's it. Other than that, absolutely no magic whatsoever, at least depending on how you read yeah. this. And then, and then no spells, spells that heal them. Yes, exactly. Like <laughs> no, most notably with the flesh golem, if you hit it with lightning, like Docker Frankenstein did in the first place, then you wind up mm -hmm. healing mm -hmm. your um, your flesh golem. Yep, fascinating. Oh, I like I like so Ash is in the view, in the chat saying uh, he figured that the iron golem's uh, poison gas death ability was carbon monoxide being exhausted from the machine. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> taking it in a very steampunky direction, but sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. awesome. Uh, yeah. And of course, um, I guess we're not seeing it on this page, but as soon as you get into the next edition, right, they give very specific requirements for uh, building golems, and it takes a top level caster, like an 18th level wizard or a 16th level cleric or something like that, with top level spells and immensely expensive components to actually build one. You know, I, I remember seeing that text as a kid and always being like really confused by it. Not not because like it's not unclear how it works, but but just not imagining any player ever wanting to go through that. Like and and frankly never saw it in a game. Did you ever see it mm -hmm. in a game? I did not. I did not. Yeah. It seemed so it seemed like the hoops were so numerous that no one was ever gonna do this. So why bother to specify it? I'm very sympathetic and uh, I'm very sympathetic that I think that was my, I think I kind of wanted to see that. It was like someday, someday I'm going to yeah. see that. And I, I haven't had, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and on the other hand, when you interpret golems, yeah, I agree. And on the other hand, it's like when I, that's, that's like a factor in interpreting golems for me is like, if you did go through that, I wouldn't want it to just get beat down the first fight that you're in either. So I would right, want them right. to be like robust enough that it was worthwhile that enormous expense. It it seems really odd, right? Like, so I could go through all this expense to construct this golem, or I could just cast Conjure Elemental, right? Why, why, why am I gonna, why am I gonna bother with all this stuff? Is is it really that much better than an Earth Elemental? Eh. Yeah. Now, admittedly, elementals Weird. aren't entirely immune to magic, um, but uh, but it's a, it's a really good point, and in fact. In the um, in the clay go in the original clay golem write up, there's it, there's a very clear connection to earth elementals. Actually, at least twice it says it works like an earth elemental this way, and it works like an earth elemental yeah. this way. And it's funny because um, like I have this one, I have this one miniature on my on my shelf, and mm -hmm. I get confused about whether that's a stone elemental or a clay golem, or a stone or yeah, or a, or a stone golem, right? right. Um, and I'm like. I guess it it's so 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 clearly related. I sometimes I can't tell the difference myself just visually. Sure, sure. So how have you seen golems used, Dan? And now I'm trying to remember, like what what uh, what classic modules do we even see these things show up in? Well, I'm glad you asked, Paul. So and, and that is the primary way that they they show up in my game yeah. is if they were included in some classic module, and I can think of and it's you know fairly common for the higher level modules. Uh, White Plume Mountain actually has a couple in it, uh, in a notable puzzle. Um, there's a very famous example um, by that uh, Rob Kuntz created when he was running games for uh, Gary Gygax. One thing that comes to mind, Paul, is that in um, AD&D Module A3, the assault on the area of the Slave Lords, the, um, the third... Um, the third section starts, actually the very first encounter in the third section starts with a golem and that was for what it's worth, it was the uh, semi-championship tournament round at Gen Con 1980. I have an image of this actually. So there's an image of um, somebody being like punched. It's got like an orange module cover. Yep. Yeah. 
So Assault on the Area of the Slave Lords, and the uh, there's, a, there's a nice piece of art by Jeff D. The very first encounter in the last part of that module um, <laughs> actually is, it's, and, and they try to get tricky, right? So what they did is they took a flesh golem, which normally has pretty cruddy AC, and bolted a whole bunch of armor plates on it in order to improve its armor. And uh, okay. this comes to mind, Paul, because you, you fought this on Sunday. Yep. Yep. So I think they one, one of these characters one, one of these characters getting um getting choked to death was was you on last Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, my character is possibly the one standing all the way in the back uh not getting <laughs> choked. Generally I actually I ended up playing Panster and the Illusionist um who who really frankly doesn't shine I think until a 4. Interesting. And, interesting, uh, interesting and that's and that's um yeah my in my experience uh, an illusionist illusion spells aren't really helpful in most of the uh a series modules and i kind of wonder why fanstern was included at all frankly in some of these it takes a lot of creativity okay. to to leverage that character in any way whatsoever um and um the funny thing is why do i say he shines in a4 uh because uh spoiler alert for a4 um, you know, the characters get take prisoner and stripped of all their equipment and shoved into, uh, into a dungeon, uh, a, a literal dungeon, right? A literal, like you're in prison now. And, uh, Fanstern's got one of the highest dexterities. And so ends up being the character with the best AC for that module. Oh, <laughs> at least initially. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that strange? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Uh, that's that's, that's what I've seen played? every time I've. I've both played and run A4, okay. and and okay. yeah, I, and and every time I've seen that game played or run, the wizards weirdly get shoved to the front of the party in the beginning, at least. <laughs> they're the best ACs. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. I'm prepping to to run A4 at some point in the future. I haven't run it yet, so that's actually yeah. that's actually good for me to hear because I think I would have been surprised by that. Fascinating. Yep, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen it happen. And people are like, oh, you got the best AC. Off you go. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's anyway, a pretty deep cut. Uh, so yeah, yeah. We're debating <laughs> we're debating ability scores from particular characters in a 1980 module. That's a that's a very yeah, deep cut. Yeah. And I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so my, my experience fighting this creature isn't isn't great. Um again, just because I was looking at my character sheet and like, well, I have no magic that can affect this thing whatsoever. Um regardless of the fact that magic doesn't affect golems. Uh, even so, I was like, I have no magic that can help us in any way either. I have nothing, and nor do I have a weapon. So I'm going to hide in the back and let you fighters take care of it. Good luck. Basically, there is there were and that's, that's kind of what happens with golems, right? They just they just turn into slugfests yeah. with your fighter types. Correct. Correct. Yeah. To my to my to the best of my interpretive ability, that's that's the, the you know the the whole point is to just wipe the 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 magic off the, t the the magic spells just off the table for that fight. So that so, is that so is exactly here's the my here's my question for you, Dan. Is that good? Is that fun? Uh, does that is that an well, interesting were, challenge? Or is that just weird? Well, you were the player on on Sunday, and the, I mean, I get you knew, I guess. Um, but some of the other players didn't. So there were at least two wizards who did throw spells at that particular um, disguised flesh golem and, you know, right. had a big <clears throat> had a big stop hand 
in front of their face. How did that feel well, on your end about the spells just doing absolutely I, nothing and being the, wasted? The funny, the funny thing is, I remember. First of all, I, I knew because I remember that you've been talking about this. This has been this has been a topic of discussion prior to you running the game. Um, and then somebody at the table also knew because somebody said, "Oh, it's good. That's right. Golems are immune to magic." Um, after casting a spell at it and seeing it, it fizzle off of it. <laughs> um, and then I was kind of curious. It was the did the other you were in the other half of this module uh, earlier in the convention. Was there also a golem in that one? Uh, I don't think so. What what I feel like it, there was some other time when the magic was just doing absolutely nothing. What was it in the first part? Um, I can't remember what the first what, it is. What, the caves. Yeah. Yeah. What I found uh, interesting was obviously, I, and I think you you made some 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 comments about about poison gas, right? As this thing was attacking us. Um, and it's got these metal plates attached to it. And I assume the point there was to fake us out into making us think that it was an iron golem when really it was just a flesh golem. Um, and I was like, the, the, what I found really interesting about that is I thought, wow, this right. writing really is targeted at 1980 tournament scene of players who have like studied the monster manual prior to coming this. Because I thought there's no way anyone at this table realizes that that's a bluff. And like, because... <laughs> We're supposed to think that it's an iron golem when really it's a flesh golem. I'm like, I don't think, I don't think anyone is here is getting that nuance. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> That's a really interesting observation. How many, how many things in classic D and D, like in, you know, as of the supplements a year after publication, were take some expectation from expert players and then twist it around, and throw it back in their face. And you know that's really the 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 origin of like mimics or ear seekers or yeah. rot grubs, which are all like, oh, you like listening at doors? Well, here's a thing in a door that specifically punishes you for that thing. Um, right, right. And you know, I'll say honestly, like I came. So you guys, you know, ran through this A3 module like true champions. You beat everything. And I don't know if you know. You, I don't know if I told you, Paul, but I was actually. Um, doubling and tripling and quadrupling the monsters all the way through it compared to what the yeah. module actually says. Yeah. I, I noticed that at the end, uh, or I noticed at the point where there were multiple minotaurs because I was trying to right. remember that. It's been a long time since I read the module, but I was like, I thought there was only one minotaur. Um, yeah. yeah. So instead of one minotaur, I, I made it four. Instead of two gelatinous cubes, I made it three. Um, yeah. Instead of uh, what else was the thing? It's, you know, uh, in the in the in the AD&D book, Hellhounds only do five points of damage, um, and I made it five dice of damage when they breathed on you. Wow! Wow! Um, wow. To make it a little bit more tense, and you guys still you still beat the whole thing. You beat the slavers at the end, largely with a lot you know, largely with a lot of charm and hold spells um, and fanstorm yeah. script tripping yeah. that. And I will say, I came away from that game. You know, I'm not going to change the. I'm not going to change the charm person spell. Um, it's you know classically it's powerful, but I did come away thinking maybe there. Maybe I'm going to start making magic items of like you know immunity to charms and holes, um, mm. just to just to give additional spice at some point with with him. So I can kind of see the motivation. Like if that's happening a lot in your game, maybe that's maybe that's a a uh, a response from the DM. But there's it's right. it's funny how many things like the golem immunity is clearly to to 
put a brick wall in front of some existing strategy. Well, and here's the odd thing about that, especially as it comes to golems, right? I'm like, okay, so it's it's interesting. There's a moment of shock amongst the players of like, oh no, not really none. Like, we maybe we're gonna waste a couple of rounds chucking spells at it and going, oh wow, it really is immune to everything, all magic. Oh no. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what else is left? I guess just set the fighters at it, and then it turns into just this back and forth rolling. And I wonder, you know, haven't you just taken away part of the most into the indie of that creative out of the box thinking and said no you no you're not allowed to be creative and think outside the box now you just have to roll dice like is that good it's interesting um i think i can live with it for like you know one encounter at a time i wouldn't want to go through a whole right. dungeon like that obviously now i have seen there is this point um like i think when um uh, if I recall correctly, like actually when when you and I uh, ran a game with the great folks from WebDM, uh, Tuma Rohotep had a stone golem in it, which I think I doubled. Um, mm -hmm. and, or maybe I'm confusing this with another time I've run that. But then there's this moment of like, well, now what do the wizards do? So the wizards' right. normal spells thing is not available. What can they do? And I've seen them like hand off all their magic weapons or get out rope and try to tangle up the, the feet of the golem mm. or something like that. So at, the, okay. at that moment, it becomes like, instead of relying on your normal spell list, you actually have to get more creative with the wizard players to do anything at all. Interesting. Which, which of course, yeah. then is exactly where the A series goes, right? By the, by the fourth one, you're now at a point of like, now I've stripped you of everything. You have no spells, no, no magic items, no equipment of any kind. You must be creative because you're yeah. just a bunch of naked characters. Good luck. Um, <laughs> and that's, I think, fascinating. That is fascinating. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's really right? interesting. Right? Yeah. yeah. And of course, yeah. at the time, you know... It, it... Go ahead. I, I would recommend, I would want to see golems used in a way where they're not just like, there's a, in this room, there is a oh. golem. And to get pat, get through the room, you must, you must beat the golem. I would rather see them used in interesting more interesting ways where like there are other threats and other things going on that you have to deal with. And also, by the way, this direction is, there's a stinking golem, oh darn it. Right, I'm thinking of stuff like, like more like the way the, the shambling mount is used in that module where, you know, it's blocking the one walkable path and then players are in charge are like, well, how else can I get across this area, right? Can I swim through the water? Can I, can I make a boat? Can I fly? Right. I think that's I more interesting to me than just the way the golem is presented where it's just in a room and, and the, the the joke, if you will, is haha, I tricked you into thinking this was an iron golem when really it's it's a it's a flesh golem. <laughs> Which nowadays nobody would recognize. It's re it's really funny right. how right. um I think I'm glad I mean I think I'm glad that we have more casual players today. I'm glad that the the audience has expanded and that I can grab, I can expect to grab a larger population of people at my table and not have people that have just entirely memorized the rule books because they're like me. I don't want that. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a really good point. <laughs> I don't want all DMV yeah. players to be just like me. That's too much, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much, Dan. <laughs> You know, it's a strong spice, honestly. Um, let me throw oh, out two. Dear. Let me throw oh, out two really great comments um, from viewers here. Um, how do I do this? I send this. Okay, so William said this, and I agree. He said, um, "Golems are clearly a fu in particular monster." 
uh, of just blocking wizards, uh, and he's comparing that to rust monsters at a lower hit dice level, which are the fu monster for fighters, which actually right, yeah. which actually also appears in module A three. <clears throat> That's actually the uh, the monster at the end, the last encounter of the first session. There's a disguised rust monster that's there to just eat gobble up all the equipment of all the fighters um huh. in a disguised state disguised. so it's interesting you point that's that out because that adventure actually did add both of those things yeah 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 well I, mean, here's a, I feel here's... like that i feel like you're, you're getting a peek behind the curtain of what it was like to be writing the tournament module in 1980 right by this point mm -hmm. the indie has been out for a couple of years that this tournament is supposed to be the big tournament and so they're expecting, like, these are the expert players. These are the players who have studied all the rule books. So we need the FU monsters and, and yeah. we need to disguise them just yes. to really, really throw players and, and, and make them, you know, you trick them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of funny things like that last, that, that last um, encounter in the, the first part of module A3 is, is kind of interesting because there is a, a villain illusionist. So here I'm spoiling a mm -hmm. bunch of stuff. So two things they do there. Yeah. Number one, the back of the module, right? The actual back cover of the module, the artwork, which might be by Errol Otis or something like that, features a giant Ankylosaurus, like coming at the players. And so you pick that up in the store and you go, wow, this module has dinosaurs. It's got an Ankylosaur in a dungeon. That's great. I'm going to buy it. And the and you open it up and the FU is, no, there is no Ankylosaur. It's an illusion. It doesn't it's actually exist. It's instead, yeah. It's, there isn't that. Instead, it's a rust monster coming at you. Ha ha. We, we actually tricked you in purchasing the product. <laughs> oh, and two, geez. The, the, the illusionist appears, presents himself as uh, Yinogu, the demon god of gnolls and ghouls. And just like you were saying, Paul, like, I don't think anybody's, like, if I say, I'm going to breathe poison gas on you, therefore, you know, I'm an iron golem, etc. Um, you know, when I, when I think I read the, the text describing a giant gnoll that's got a three-headed flail and has red burning eyes, I read that and was like, no one's going to know what that is. I have to say out loud, and this is the demon lord of gnolls. At the, the demon of gnolls, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. those yeah. details, the, the, players, the, the players at the table aren't that, you know, religiously affiliated with it anymore. Yep, yep. That's fascinating. <laughs> so here's a, here's a comment from Disparal, which is a really great point that, that uh, I personally overlooked. So we were talking about what can the wizards do, um, and Disparal BB is saying, well, the golem might be immune to magic, but you could still buff the fighters. Yep. You cast protective yep. spells and strength spells and stuff like that on the fighters to help them out, which is a different perspective. Yeah. yeah. Great point. Yeah, except for when you're fanster and the illusionist and you don't have any, any such spells. But... <laughs> <True>. <laughs> Now fanster. you're making me feel bad about you playing Fanster. <laughs> no, no, don't feel bad about it. I, the, the interesting thing is I had last pick, and so it's not surprising that I ended up yeah. with Fanster. And, uh, this is really me picking on the authors of the module to say, why did you put such a totally useless character as one of the pregens? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know why Fanstern's in there. I think they were just That's like, tough. illusionists are new and exciting because it's a thing yeah. in AD&D. That's a good point. Let's put yeah. yeah, 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 and then let's let's right. and then let's fill the module with monsters that are never—they're definitely not ever going to be fooled by any kind of illusion. <laughs>
Well, I, I, okay. So next next time, Paul, uh, I will make sure you get a fighter. We'll yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll change that up when we learn A four. I'll make sure that you get a fighter next time, so you don't have to run. Thanks, time. Dan. Thanks yeah, a lot. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> don't have to be of service. <laughs> uh, oh dear. So there's a uh, famous, A4 okay, is so one of about... my favorite modules. So I probably uh, I, I might have to sit that one out, Dan, just because I know A four okay. much better than I know A okay. three. Hmm. No. <laughs> so there's a famous anyway, uh, there's a very there's yeah. a really famous example Goals. of a particular Goals. golem. Um the the first time it showed up in the game, um I think it was created by uh, Rob Kuntz and it appears in what ultimately got published like 10 years after the fact as Morden Kanan's Fantastic Adventure. And interestingly, uh you know, so Kuntz was DMing Gygax was a player and was playing Mordenkainen and Bigby, um, to my understanding at the time, mm -hmm. at a very high level, wandered in this location, and I guess there's the first, the first Iron Golem. And um, it's, it's super hyped up. I have an image of this, actually. So there's the, um, when this got published, there's a, a thing sitting on a throne um, at the top yep. of some stairs there. So this is the picture of in the throne there, the very first Iron Golem that Kuntz made, and it's 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 also hyper, it's also hyper accelerated because in addition to its normal powers, uh, in its right hand it's holding a whip made of cockatrice feathers and turns you to stone on contact, and nice. in the left there's a sword uh, of poisoning that poisons you to death immediately as soon as it hits you. And Great. just in case you thought it was going to throw poison gas at you, it, it throws fire at you instead. Can't be affected by any magic. Mm -hmm. Can't be affected by any magic weapons either. No magic weapons that you carry into the fight can be used against it whatsoever. The only, Okay, now I'm going to spoil this. Uh, I, I'll just say the only things that can be used against it are things in this picture. Interesting. Absolutely nothing else that your characters bring into the fight have any effect on it whatsoever. Uh -huh, uh -huh. These all appear as everything you see in the picture is statues when you when you walk into the room. Gotcha. I'll just leave gotcha. it at that. And Mordenkainen got turned to stone, and um, they had to retreat, and they had to bring in extra backup of high level characters in the Greyhawk campaign. And uh, Gygax was sufficiently impressed by this that he wrote up the story of this hideous fight in uh, a journal called War Games Digest in May 1974, a little bit before D&D was published. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that just for some of this, this like colors my sense of what golems are supposed to be in D&D is this like really massive total screw job um, very explicitly. And, you know, that's what the game was like. And, for, and, and Gygax was sufficiently impressed that that was his, that was his initial, like, promotion of what D&D &D was going to be like. You were going to have adventures like this, whereby you just totally get screwed by the DM and lose all your characters. Huh. Huh. And you should buy this. <laughs> you should buy this box set for the low price of $10. <laughs> here's, here's, this is what D&D is going to be like, a thing that throws away all the rules of D&D. Mm -hmm. and what yeah. <laughs> that's weird <laughs> <laughs> that is very strange. <laughs> sure so let's uh, let me talk a little bit about interpreting you know, and, and 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 a couple things about this right this is the mm -hmm. extra paragraph in the the first volume of D, D 
that said living statues. Like it says, there was one very special living statue that held a whip of cockatrice feathers and a poison sword and could only be affected by these other things. Um, and so this was actually, you know, did, you didn't get statistics, but this was, you did get this allusion to this particular encounter in the very first monster book in the, in the 1974 box set. And then interestingly, uh, that story that Gygax wrote up, you can still find a little snippet of it in the fifth edition monster manual. Really? Yeah. Look at the, look at the picture. I have a little picture of a, like a scroll. It's like a brown scroll there. You'll have to give me a moment here. Yep. Uh, this? Yeah. So that's a snippet out of the fifth edition monster manual on the page for golems. Maybe you can read that for us just in huh. case someone's listening to this on the podcast. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, sorry. Uh, it says, beyond the unopenable doors lay a grand hall ending before a towering stone throne, upon which sat an iron statue taller and wider than two men. In one hand, it clutched an iron sword. In the other, a feather whip. We should have turned back then. Morning King and the Archmage chronicles of his party's harrowing exploits in the dungeon below Moor Castle. Moor? Moor? Yeah, Moor. Something like that. Moray? What's with that? Okay. Yeah. Great. As usual, I've seen this for 40 years, and I realize right now I don't know how to pronounce it. Um. Great. <laughs> Excellent. So more or less, that's not a direct quote, but that's that's basically a synopsis of Gygax writing up his adventure as Morton Canaan. And it's kind of, I, I think it's kind of cool that it actually appears in the fifth edition Monster Manual right there. Yeah, yeah, that is nice. That is nice. Nice little callback there. So pretty, um, pretty influential, that particular, yeah. that particular goal adventure. So let me talk about the problem of interpreting the exact <laughs> meaning of what it, what the, the rules say in original D&D. And of course, they're very, they're very curt. They're very sketchy. They don't have keywords or anything like that. So for flesh and stone golems, it says they're not affected by spells. And then for the iron golem, it says it's not affected by any magic, with this one exception. Mm -hmm. And that gets copied, that gets copy pasted without any change whatsoever into first edition AD&D. So I was like, at some point it became a question to me about like, what about magic items? When it says flesh mm -hmm. and stone, you're not affected by spells. What about magic items? What about a wander fireballs? What about other monsters. Right. So a couple months back, I went and asked polls on a couple of sites. Um, and what I commonly do is for the ODD perspective, I go to the ODD 74 forums, which is which is really great. Mm -hmm. And for the first edition perspective, I go to the face, there's a big Facebook first edition group. And so I asked kind of the same question both. And it's the same language It's like literally the same words in this case. Usually both parties tend to agree. Um, so I think the, if you, there's a first poll, um, image. So I asked like, what, what are goals supposed to be immune to based on that language? And mm -hmm. interestingly, the, the OD and D players, not that it's a very big sample size, but the OD and D players overwhelmingly said, well, the meaning is meant to be the same for all the goal, all the goals. They're meant to be immune to all magic period, magic items and spells and supernatural effects and everything all the golems altogether are supposed to be just immune to that. Whereas the first edition players, um, more of them, that actually go back, that's, that's a different question. Yeah. So the, right. so right. on this one uh, page right here, on the top, I've oh, got the so we're looking at the results of two different answers. results. Yep. Mm -hmm. okay. gotcha. gotcha. Right, and then further down, okay. I've got the, the, the AD&D poll. 
And the ADD poll at the bottom of this slide right here um, has a different response. The, the vast majority of people there said that the effect varies by golem, that flesh and stone are supposed to be immune to only spells and nothing else. Uh, right. Whereas the iron golem is supposed to be immune to everything. Um, so, and, so I'm not, I'm not used to a difference in response. So I thought yeah. I was very surprised by this different response to what's actually the exact same uh, series of words. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, 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 the text that they're going from here is different, right? Right. The, 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 the top poll we're looking at OD and D text. Um, I snipped right, the out the exact, I snipped, yeah, the, the, on the top, the I snipped text. out the exact um, okay. uh, recreation of the text, but it's basically the same series of words in both rule books, both original and first edition use the same words. Um, so I, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a lot of first edition DMs that allow you to hit a golem with a, I don't know, wander fireballs or um, rot a lordly might or I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. What, what right. were you expecting? And which, well, which okay, result so on do, you, this, do you agree with? Okay, so this, I, I agree with the OD and D um, uh, vote. There is, um, it like to me, it seemed simpler to say that it, it seems to be really the same intent all all across the board. Yeah. Um, so if right. one of them is immune to all magic, they all should be, and that yep. gets somewhat more more clearly expressed in later editions. So later editions clearly say they're immune to all magic. Um, okay. and I, I thought that was the original intent. Hmm. Okay. What about you? Would you would you would you like it just would you like them to just be immune to spells, but then magic items are a different thing or? Oh, I don't know. I mean, the, the, like the, your example of Wanda Fireballs is especially troubling, right? Because it's a, a magic right. item that emulates a spell. So surely that falls under spells, right? Mm -hmm. Surely. But where's the line? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I think ultimately because because of the introduction of gray area, I don't want to add even more gray area by saying it varies by golem. So I think I would lean into just, oh, let's just say magic yeah. in general. Yeah. It's just an easier answer. <laughs> it's an easier answer to DM, yeah. I think. I, I, I agree with that. So that's that's how I run it in my at my table, um, and that's how that's that's the assumption that I use when I'm assessing like the danger of these monsters, is that they're just totally they're just totally immune to magic like that. Yeah, yeah. So and then I had this other question. So I, so I had it in my simulator, right? My arena simulator that, sp that simulates D and D combat and then spits out numbers for how dangerous these things are. And I was working on that like last December and January in my break. And then I had that in the system, and then I was like, here's a question. Um, and on the next slide, you're gonna see me being the wrongest that I've ever been in my entire life about interpreting D&D, is my question was, can a wizard conjure an elemental and then have the elemental hit successfully a golem? Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and I was very, very confident. I was extremely confident. The answer is clearly no. Obviously, the answer is no. <laughs> Golems are immune to all magic. And uh, our, the whole point is an F you to wizards. Thank you, William. Is just shut down wizards. Yep. They can't do anything. All their magic is totally useless. You cannot damage a golem. End of story. Clearly, to me, the answer was going to be no. And unanimously, everybody else <laughs> that I've ever asked this to has, is very confident the answer is the opposite is yes. 
I have not, I basically yeah. not, I found almost nobody at all that's willing to agree with me on that. And you can see that in on the OD&D form, 100% of all the people said, yes, absolutely, conjure an elemental and fight the golem with that instead. And on the Facebook first edition um, board, uh, 149 out of 154 votes, that's a 97% response rate, all said yes, including our good friends, Angela Blank and, and uh, Frank Menzer. Uh, we're, we're in that vote saying yes there. Uh, only one single person said no, and that's that's Mr. Cecil Vick of Madison, Mississippi. Thank you, Cecil, for, 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 for agreeing with me. So I have never been so surprised by anything wow. interpretively in D&D in all my years. I was completely confident the answer was clearly going to be no, just F you to wizards all the way down the board, and everybody all thinks that I am wrong about that. So apparently I must be wrong about yeah, that. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, this, for me, this goes back to what, uh, our comment before, like, what do, what do wizards do? And one, one of the things they can do is cast buff spells, right? So, so is, a is an, is a golem going to take extra damage from a fighter who's had a strength spell cast on them? Or are they immune to that? You know, they're getting hit, you know, the, the, the spell, to me, the spell effects on the fighter, right? The fighter's yeah. been changed. Well, right. Uh, sure, but it's in not, this case, not a spell, isn't the spell effect on the, the elemental or on the area. Like it's the, the, the spell effect was to conjure the elemental. Now there's an elemental here. It would seem weird, especially if a golem just happened upon an elemental, and that elemental could beat him up, no problem. Whereas a conjured elemental, not doesn't not working. I don't know why. Can't seem to connect. I, w I would have been okay with that. I absolutely would have been okay yeah. with that and to have a distinction about like have had to have a distinction about a, a, a native present elemental versus one that was created out of magic. Um, okay, let's where I say see the that I had right. let's say I had a portable hole and I went to the elemental plane of earth and I captured a stone elemental inside my my portable hole and then I encountered a golem and I released the elemental from the hole. Can that elemental <laughs> <laughs> damage the golem. Yes. Dan says, Dan, says, <laughs> Dan of, of a year ago says yes. Okay. But it's somehow no the spell counter on the spell. Golem. Yeah, okay. Mm, it's weird. It's weird, Dan. Now let me defend myself. <laughs> I gotta disagree with you on okay. this one. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Join the jury along go with Paul. Hundred and I will and uh, sixty-four <laughs> other people and say you're wrong. <laughs> so you know what? Oh, I, this is why I asked the polls, right? This is why you run yeah. the science. Some someday you're going to mm -hmm. be surprised, and and I am with this, and I, I will absolutely um, redirect my my game to match other people's expectations mm -hmm. if I'm this far out of out of the, the ballpark. Now, in my defense mm -hmm. for my prior thinking, I think I think possibly I was slightly biased by Gygax's story of playing with Kuntz. Is with that mm -hmm. original Iron Golem that Gygax fought, um, they summoned an Afrit and out of an Afrit uh, box, sent it against the Golem, okay. and it did nothing. Yeah, um, and it did nothing. Morden kind of tried to hit it with a with a magical staff, and it did nothing. They cast transmute rock to mud under the feet of the iron golem to make it sink down, and it wouldn't even do that. It refused to sink into magical mud. So at least reading that story, my my thinking was that the intent was like not even sinking into magical mud was a total f you. Yeah. Just no spell is going to do anything to it whatsoever. 
Obviously, the counter argument is to say, well, that's a special golem made up by Kuntz that doesn't match normal golems, and he was just like extra extra footing the screws to, to Gygax. But um, that was my reading, and I think probably I bring that to my reading of the golem stats of like, an Afrit's not going to work, an Elemental's not going to work. All right, Transmute let's, let's, mud, let's spoil it, Dan. What what is the answer to that to that to that golem here? I'm going to go back to the picture. You said the only things that can affect it are in this picture. So my gut is telling yeah. you you have to steal its weapons. You have to steal its weapons uh, and use its own weapons against it. You're very close. It's nope. not its weapons. Yeah. Oh, it's the weapons of the other two statues, which I'm not seeing right. that they're even holding any. But eh, okay. it's hard to see. But if you look closely, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess the guy on the left's got a sword. And the guy on the right's got like a dagger. Exactly. Yeah. And those and that's those it. two items will affect the golem. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. See, I, I my uh, I, I feel like the, the what's going on here is just that somebody felt like they made a very clever puzzle and didn't like somebody else trying to work around that puzzle in a creative out of the box way. No, like, no, no, no. You have to come up with the actual solution of the puzzle that I thought of beforehand. Stop trying to circumvent my puzzle. Because <laughs> I mean, it's not like the rock to mud yeah. thing really bothers me. Really bothers me. What? Like maybe I could see. No, there's like an anti magic shield or something, which would mean that the spell just doesn't go off at all. But if you're telling me like the ground underneath it turns to mud and it just walks across the mud, I, that feels that feels really lame to me. I don't like it. It's a strong argument, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty good interpretation and um, a lot of the it's funny because a lot of the early modules like do get written with this like there's one way to solve a particular puzzle and um, sometimes I wonder about like how flexible they were with this at least in this particular story Kuntz seemed very inflexible I feel like mm. I myself have had to grow my DMing skills to become more flexible and, and be on the lookout for additional solutions um, because because, because of the training of that I got with isn't that, isn't that the joy of it, that you can do anything and thus like you can find these out-of-the-box solutions that are not what the, the person, the author, was thinking of in the moment? I don't know. I, now I agree. Now I, now I, agree. I think I've had, I've, I've had to grow in that direction, and I've made mistakes about that in the past, and I 100% I agree with what you just said there, Paul. That That should be the fun... And I enjoy discovering those those solutions that I didn't know about in advance. So, given that possibly we have different opinions from the the authors uh, when the text was written, what does that mean for how you want to interpret golems? You know, do you, do you do you, like how would you today interpret someone casting rock to mud under a golem? Do you do you want to allow them to sink? Do you want to change uh, change how how it, in what ways they're they're immune or what things they're immune to or that's a really great question i think for simplicity i want to keep it they're immune they're immune to magic that gets thrown directly at them uh i think i will take yeah. a lesson from the, the 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 greater player community that um you can conjure an elemental and have that attack it i, I would let it sink into um a rock to mud spell and then maybe it like you know climbs out the other side because it's not like it has to breathe right a couple rounds right. later, but I, right. I would do that now. Right, right. That's that's the way to do it, right? Is is like yeah. you know, if this monster is so incredibly powerful that it can overcome all these all these things, let it overcome them. Like let it just no, it just powers through, comes out dripping mud. Great, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's actually really that actually does seem more fun. Yeah, yeah. 
I agree. You're right. Yeah. You're right, Paul. All right. Okay, I'm convinced. All right. Great. Well, I'm glad we solved this. Great. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Touches an hour. We got to a solution. <laughs> Dan, we are we are closing in on the on the on the end of the show here. Is there? Do you have any final thoughts about golems? Well, two things. And now I will say that you know this immunity to magic was maintained at least through third edition. Fifth edition did uh, dial it down, right? Fifth edition, they're not immune anymore. They they have advantage on saving throws. Advantage on saving throws of magic. They are not immune anymore. Not sure I totally agree with that about fifth edition. That seems like a distinct, yeah, you know, just you know, regression. Um, if I was a wizard making yeah, one of these things, I wouldn't now, be super happy about that. Yeah, it does. It does seem like a real. Um, it seems disappointing that now you've just opened the door for just some poor dice rolls, and now suddenly you have a world where golems can be polymorphed into chickens. Like that's hmm. yeah, right. That's disappointing. Yeah. Right. So yep. there's that. I can, you know, I can kind of see. Mm -hmm. eh, it's not. It's it's funny how long the immunity lasted up until fifth edition before the change actually. And the other thing I'll point out is that again, like I said, when I run these through my my arena simulator, uh, the, the Iron Golem is the single most deadly uh, monster in original D and D. The fact that you need plus three item to hit it, right? Dragons don't need that. Yeah. The fact they're entirely yeah. immune to magic, you know, dragons don't have that. So the Iron Golem comes out at, um, you know, I call it equivalent hit dice. Some people would call it challenge rating of 140. And Jeez. the next runner up, the, the next, the second uh, most dangerous monster comes in at 60, which is the beholder. And then number, th <laughs> number three is the stone golem at 55. And <laughs> then number four and number five are the Rakshaza and the Titan. Let me just point out why I say this. All five of those types all have some kind of anti-magic ability. The golems, the beholder has the anti-magic uh, eyeball. Mm -hmm. The Rakshas is yep. totally immune to all spells under eighth level. And the Titan has magic resistance. So it's interesting that by, by putting the FU up to the wizards, you actually, that's fundamental to making the most dangerous monsters in original D&D. Maybe we should talk more about that at some future point about how important like magic resistance abilities are because that's the top the top yeah, five dangerous that, monsters that i can tell in dnd have that that is very interesting um and, and just generally the power curve of of magic and wizards in particular is really interesting right because they, they follow that very interesting curve of being really squishy and useless at the low levels and then clearly game-changingly powerful at the end yeah, fascinating. Yeah, I mean that's how you guys finished uh, module A three, right? <laughs> it, you went in and you basically you basically beat the slavers at the end with you know mind control spells. Is was basically yeah. the, the yeah. culminating climax of that. True. Good point. Quite quite true. Good point. Quite true. Yeah. Viewers, if you have opinions, uh, this seems like a uh, you know potentially contentious point about golems and and uh, magic immunity. Uh, I'd love to hear it. Do you do you want to go against the hundred and sixty four? uh people who say that that, that uh golems uh <laughs> should uh, should be attackable by conjured uh, elementals or or do you want to decide with dan dan and cecil uh pick a team <laughs> post us a comment here uh on the youtube we'd love to hear from you uh tell us tell us what you think in terms of uh should, how how immune to magic should golems truly be yeah, yeah, I, I would. Maybe there's maybe there's an unknown community. Maybe there's like a community living in the sewers that agree with me about about not 
<laughs> not attacking your element, your uh, your uh, golems with elementals. But until until we find that community, remember that you can like, yeah. follow, and subscribe to us, the Wandering DMs. Uh, we're on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and GitHub and also TikTok, and we have the handle Wandering DMs on all those sites. For look look for us there, and you'll get updates on future shows. If you prefer to listen to us in podcast-only format, you can find those shows at our uh, website at wanderingdms.com. Uh, you can also find our podcasts on various podcast carriers, such as iTunes and Google Podcasts and Pocket Cast and Stitcher and all kinds of places. If you are using one of those third-party carriers and they do have an, uh, uh, the availability to rate and review the show, please do so. That helps other users of that site find us, and uh, we really appreciate it. We really do. And of course, uh, big thanks to our patrons who support the Wandering DMs show. If you would like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wandering DMs. You'll see a couple different tiers, discounts on merch, access to a private Discord server, other stuff that we do. And um, we also have after party chat right after our Sunday show. So in about 10 minutes, I will be there today uh, to join the after party chat. I think, Paul, today you have to take off. Is that right? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm wandering, uh, wandering into the uh, the opposite coast from usual. So uh, I will not be available for the after party chat, I'm afraid. Uh, so uh, hopefully our kind patrons will uh, will uh, stand up for the uh, 164 and uh, and uh, convince Dan that uh, <laughs> that he's wrong about it. I'm going to make my case. I'm going to get in there today and I'm going to yep, make yep. my case. And I think I can um, I think I can. Um, debate everybody over to my side. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty persuasive, eh, right? <laughs> but you know, so a couple of things coming up this week, right? We have our normal uh, Tuesday and Thursday shows. Um, you know, there was a comment back there about um, actually illusionists being cyber the cyberpunk hackers of D and D. And coincidentally, we have a cyberpunk game on the channel. It's happening Thursday nights that I'm actually uh, taking part in, which is a really a, really a blast. So um, maybe you can check out our um, our cyberpunk uh, game on uh, Thursday and, night. And playing, playing the hacker, if I recall correctly. Co totally. The, 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 the <laughs> hacker slash math rock bassist. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And also the only human. I'll point out, I'm, the, I'm playing the only human oh. on the show at the moment. So we're getting a lot of traction out of that. Um, but the other thing, I, we are, I am very excited about our guest next week, Paul. Next week, uh, Sunday, we're going to have Karen Twelves, who is the author of the book Improv for Gamers, and she's coming out with second edition. You know, the very second episode that we ever did on this show in the first season was mm -hmm. on using improv in your game. So um, I'm personally really excited to talk to Karen next week and get some questions about her expertise on improv. Excellent. I'm, I'm really excited about that, too. I'm a big fan of her book. Uh, looking forward to hearing about what might be different in the second edition. Cool. Cool. Awesome. So, yeah. So we'll hope that you uh, you join us uh, next week for the interview with uh, Karen Twelves on Improv for Gamers. Uh, of course, we are live every Sunday. That'll be at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we hope you'll join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then. <laughs>